0: What we're here to talk about today is this resolution that Jesus has challenged us with. And it's a resolution that's not just for a few people, it's for the whole world. And it is is simply this. It comes from Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. I say it simply, but it's this. And he said to them all, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself. He must take up his cross daily. And follow me so there's a denying there's a taking up and there's a following we denying ourselves of these things that are not like Christ we are taking up this new and powerful way that we find in Christ we follow the plan of another and it just so happens to be the creator of all things it just so happens to be our Redeemer and our Savior Like other resolutions, we see what these can be and we know that sometimes people will keep them and sometimes people will not. But it's a whole lot different than the kind of resolutions that we make this time of year. It goes beyond our physical appearances. It goes beyond these temporary uh, self-improvements that we have. In fact, a lot of our resolutions have to do with us, right? I want to look better, I want to be better, I want to this better. But this is about a denying of yourself. It's about denying the ways and the philosophies of the world so that we can follow the ways of Christ. And he says some things that are very powerful, and he tells his disciples, look, it's about focusing on the kingdom of God. And even so, he says that we are to take up our cross Now, that doesn't have a whole lot of bearing on us as it would have in that day and time. Now, we sang a very powerful song a moment ago, the old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And they would have gotten that a little more than we would have gotten it. But can you imagine us singing a song or saying to each other or Jesus saying to us, I want you to take up the electric chair daily and follow me. In other words, what he's saying is, I want you to die off these certain things. They have to be crucified. Because what we're talking about has much higher stakes than the resolutions that we saw earlier. Because right after he tells us to deny ourselves, to take up his way daily and to follow him, it then goes on and he says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Jesus often spoke in these things that seemed like upside down, right? Then he says, but whoever wants to lose his life, they will save it. And then he says this, and this sometimes speaks to our own personal resolutions and where we are in life. And he says, what is a man benefited? That if he gains the whole world, and yet he loses or forfeits himself. Many of today's resolutions have to do with gaining the world. Jesus' resolutions says that those things are nothing in compared to what is being offered to us. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, listen, you could could climb up the, the corporate ladder this year. You could be a person who eventually becomes the president of the United States. You could become the most wealthy person in all the world, or maybe the most famous person in all the world, but if you are not, a follower, a genuine, devoted follower of Jesus Christ, he says, you lose it all. Those things are not long-term. They do not satisfy us long-term. In fact, go over to Luke chapter 18. I want you to see Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, we learn about this, this rich, young ruler, as he is called. And he comes to Jesus, and he is a ruler, which means he is a prince, he's a magistrate of some type. Folks, he is young, and he is loaded. And if you had a daughter, you would say, this is exactly the kind of person I would like for my daughter to marry, because, bonus, he's religious. And he comes to Jesus, and he says, what is it that I need to do in order to inherit eternal life? And, and one thing that is interesting is, wow, we're impressed by this guy. He's coming to Jesus. What is it that I need to do? But also we have to ask ourselves, why is this guy so discontent? Why does he not have this feeling of contentment? He's young. He is in a noble position. He is a very religious person. And we know this because Jesus then says to him, then I want you to follow all the commands of the Father. And he gives a list of those in the text. And what the rich young ruler says is this. He says, I've kept all of these from my youth. And again, we're sitting here and we're like, wow. This is so impressive. This guy, has, he's kept all the commands of God. So why is this guy feeling this sense that something's missing in his life? That's when Jesus drops the bomb on him. And he says, this is what I want you to do. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, and here's that little phrase again, follow me. I'll just tell you what, you read this and you're thinking, why is Jesus being so mean? Why is he being so tough on this guy? But the problem is as to what's happening here. Jesus isn't saying that this man could earn his salvation. He isn't isn't saying that, you know what, if you sell all that you have, you have earned your way into heaven. That's not what he's doing. Jesus is pointing something out to the man that he has already stated. And remember, what did the man say? He says, I'm already following the commands of God. Jesus hits on the one area in his life where he was not. He hit on the one area of his life that he fell short of God's glory. And we see that because this man turned and he walked away, that he was not even keeping the two greatest commands that Jesus spoke about, which is to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and then to love other people to love the poor in there as you love yourself. The point is that none of us obey God perfectly. No matter how good you may think that you are, no matter how much you think that you follow all the commands of God, no matter how much you want to look at your life and say, you know what? I've earned my way into heaven. If you encountered Jesus and we encountered him today, and he were to come into your home or come into your life, and, and he were to say, and you were to try to convince him of how good you are, he would do the same thing to you as he did with the rich young ruler. He may not say to you, though, that you need to sell all that you have and give it to the poor. He might say something like, you need to throw your phone away. He might say, you need to stop watching sports. He might say to you that you need to. Uh, to um, to to give up certain things in your life. You may need to turn off the cell phone. You may need to stop going to parties. We all must deny ourselves. We must put it to the death and follow Jesus. And the only way that we will ever get to the point that we're ready to do that is when we finally realize that we are are imperfect, that we need Jesus, and that we need him in every area of our lives. We need to follow him. We need to be disciples of Jesus. And here's that word disciples. You've heard us speak about it often, disciples and discipleship and all of this kind of thing. And folks, this is, this is what it's all about. This is what we've been leading up to. This is what it's always been leading up to. And this is all about discipleship. It's about being a follower of Jesus. Now turn back in the, book of, uh, in the book of Luke chapter 10. Go to Luke chapter 10. Here Jesus comes to a village. And he comes to the house of a woman by the name of Martha. Martha's a great woman. And she does what many of us would do if Jesus all of a sudden came to our house. It says she got busy doing many tasks. The Son of God has shown up at her door and she's busy doing many tasks. And and I guarantee you, the women in here, some of you women, you're the only ones who truly understand what's entailed in many tasks. Right? Right? You know, maybe maybe we need more sweet tea, maybe. We need to to bake some cookies. We need to go and, and, and clean up certain areas of the house that maybe Jesus hasn't gone to yet. You know what I'm talking about? We are busy doing many things. And she is laser focused in pleasing Jesus. And we need to see that. She is laser focused in pleasing Jesus. She's not doing this because she's trying to get an award from her community. She's doing this because the Son of God has shown up in her home. So what's up with her sister? If you read the narrative there, you see that she has a sister named Mary. And she is in the den the whole time and just listening to Jesus. While well, her sister, who by the way, she's living with her sister, Mary is. And she's just sitting there and allowing her sister to do all of these things. And she's fuming, folks. Ladies, tell me I'm wrong on this. You know she's rehearsing the speech she's going to give to Mary as soon as Jesus leaves, right? Yeah, it's not going to be pretty. And she is just, the more she's doing this, the more angry she gets. She gets so angry, she finally goes to Jesus about it. And she said, Jesus, listen, don't you care that my sister, she's just sitting in here? I'm busting my hump and trying to do everything that I can. And she's just sitting here. And Jesus shocks us. And he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried about and upset about many things. Remember the many tasks. But one thing is necessary. Oh and you know this killed her. Mary made the right choice. And it will not be taken away from her. Seriously? I mean, isn't Martha the one who's the true follower of Jesus? She's up, she's trying to serve him. She she's doing everything that she can. And it's like, what's the deal? She wasn't being a disciple. She wasn't allowing herself to be discipled. Because a disciple is a learner. A disciple wants to be as close to the teacher as they possibly and humanly can. And if you read the text, you see right where Martha was. She's at the feet of Jesus, and she's listening. Martha's a great woman. She really is. But she didn't choose the best thing. She didn't choose to be a disciple. Mary completely denied herself, and she was denying others, even, in order just to be with Jesus. When we go through the Gospel of Luke, we read a lot of interesting things. We read about those who just did not want to keep the Jesus Resolution. They they acted like they were kind of interested in it. And, you know, if you go to Luke chapter 9, in verse 57, he says, As they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, Foxes have dens, and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man, who has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. Lord, he said, first, let me bury my father. But he told him, let the dead bury the dead. But you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now there's a lot going on here. Whole lot going on here. Jesus is challenging these excuses that people make to be his disciples. And he's using exaggerated things as well. And again, we look at this and we say, well, you know, Jesus is kind of being mean here. I mean, this guy, he wants to go bury his father. Let me tell you something. (laughs) This is where it's good when we we take off 21st century glasses and we kind of put it back into the the text. This guy's father is not dead. He wants to go back home, and he wants to wait for his father to die, collect his inheritance, and then when it's a better time for him, that's when he wants to come and be a follower of Jesus. Jesus is showing the urgent matter of the kingdom of God with these exaggerations too. And there's one here that, that really kind of blows our minds a little bit because he says, you know, well, you know some, who's unfit for the kingdom of God? He said, well, it's this guy that puts his his hand to the plow and then he looks back and we're listening to that we're like, what does that even mean? I don't even have a plow. But when you understand the context, and Jesus does something that all the New Testament writers does and that is he puts these things in there that takes them back to other narratives, to these Old Testament narratives. And those of you who are raised going to Bible class, you may remember this story about Elijah. And Elijah was this guy, he didn't die, folks. God came and took him. there's this whirlwind of fire and he was riding on this this horses and chariots of fire into the heavens. you, you know those are the kind of things as a kid you don't forget in Bible class, even on flannel graph. Let me tell you that's powerful stuff. But before he leaves, he's got his replacement that God has made. Uh, and, and his name is Elijah. I know it's confusing. Elish, Elijah. No, wait, wait. Elijah. I told you it's confusing. Elijah is the one who's leaving. Elisha is the one who's going to be taking over this mantle. And so when he goes to him and he says, listen, God wants you to be his prophet. He has a team of oxen. This is where he was. He was plowing at the particular time. And he destroys all of his oxen. He destroys the cart. He destroys everything. And we're like, what is he doing? He's saying there's no turning back. He wasn't saying, he, what he's saying is, okay, i tell you what. Well, you know what? Um, i tell you what. I'll try this prophecy thing for a while. If it doesn't work out, I'll just go back to my team of oxen. He's saying no turning back when you make a decision to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. What you're saying is I'm not turning back and put when I put my hands to the plow. Being a follower of Jesus is more than saying you're a Christian. It's more than saying, "You know what? I'm here every time the doors are open." It's more than having perfect attendance. It's more than knowing scripture and knowing a lot of of these great stories in the Bible. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus gives this parable. And the parable is really interesting. The parable is this flash flood that all of a sudden happens. And there's this house. It has this deep foundation. And it survives. But all the other ones, and they didn't have this kind of foundation, they're all wiped out by this flash flood that came without warning. And when I read this parable, the first thing I thought about, I don't know about you, is I thought about this house after Hurricane Michael. You remember the hurricane this past year? And this is at Mexico Beach. And there's this one house that's standing, and all the other ones are gone. They're wiped out. And if you've ever read the story about this, you realize this is a fairly new house, and when he built it, whatever the codes were, he doubled it. Because he wanted to prepare for whatever, the worst storm that could possibly hit. Little did he know, it wasn't going to be long after this house would be built. But he had a a greater, stronger foundation than even the hurricane codes of that city. And guess which one lasted? It's the one with the greater foundation. Jesus says in verse 49, But the one who hears and does not act like a man who built a one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And he tells us as he's leading into this thing really what it's all about. And he says there are those of you you call yourselves my disciples and you're saying to me, "Lord, Lord." He said, "But you don't do the things that I say." Because being a disciple of Jesus is more than just sitting and reading scripture and burning incense, and singing kumbaya, and all of those things, and just, you know, just taking all of this in. Eventually, you have to get up from Jesus' feet and live by the words that you have been taught. You live by the actions of his word. The Jesus resolution is this. If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross, his electric chair daily, and follow me. And until we commit ourselves to being disciples of Jesus, who not only are discipled, but we follow the words of Jesus, and then we go and we disciple others, until that happens, we will not change our personal culture. We will not change our congregational culture of simply wanting to come in and just be fed. This isn't about listening to Christian music. It's not about lighting of incense. It's not about speaking Christianese. You know what I'm talking about? Use all these fancy little words. It goes deeper than saying, you know what, I love God. It goes deeper than saying, well, I love other people. And next week, we're going to look closer at Jesus. We're going to look at the model that he incorporated with his disciples. But for right now, the most important thing for you is to ask yourselves, will I be a committed, devoted follower, learner, disciple of Jesus Christ? Will I be someone who not only wants to hear what he has to say, but to live as God wants me to live, to let him transform my life and through me, get this, through me, he will transform other people's lives because that, folks, that is what it's all about. Now, if we can help you in any way, if you want to learn more about Jesus, if you want to learn more about what this means in this commitment, and let me tell you this, you need to know there's a cost. You need to know there's a cost because Jesus tells us there's a cost. He's very upfront about this, and you need to really sit down and consider, are you ready for the cost? And when you are, that's when you're ready to be baptized because guess what baptism is folks it is a crucifixion it is a dying to ourselves that's why we go down and we rise up and we walk out of there new we're followers of Jesus we walk in him that's what this all means if we can help in any way come as together we stand and as we sing